cute and oh look that's my kid that's my grandkid but it's about ministry it's a ministry so thank you thank you I love this church I love this church this is my church I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you for a lot of you your prayers this is your church this is my church every time we pass and Hank's with us I tell him I said there's Hank's church because I want him to know it's his church it's his church and it's God's church I want to pay honor to my pastor I love you you don't see a lot of pastors show up at youth rallies that they don't have to be at he was here he didn't have to be here everything was taken care of but he was here and he was in the altar with all of them praying seeking with them praying for them you don't see that a lot and in the prayer room listening to him pray in tongues be thankful the older I get be thankful that you have a pastor that can pray in tongues that you can pray in tongues we love you pastor Can I just give you the word the way I feel sense to give it to you? Is that okay? 1 Peter 5 and 5 NLT version because I like that version because I can pronounce everything. You who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he'll lift you up in honor. Jump into verse 7 and 8, King James Version. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Verse 9, stand firm against him be strong in your faith remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are same suffering and that's what I want to speak on tonight and I want to just minister is it okay if I just minister to the saints tonight sometimes maybe you feel like you're too busy ministering So I'd like to minister, if I could, for a moment. And I want to speak on the importance of saints suffering. The importance of saints suffering. Peter was addressing an audience of believers going through hard times. And and they were going through suffering and persecution. And, And this theme is kind of consistent throughout his writing. Words of encouragement to help navigate and guide through this time that they're facing. And if anyone could navigate people through hard times and suffering, it was Peter. But what Peter helps us understand about going through all these sufferings, even Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to face challenges, you're going to face struggles. Being a believer does not make you immune to adversities. It does not protect you from having problems. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can paint this picture that says if you become a Christian, you'll never go through anything and everything will be all right. 
I do believe that if you're in the kingdom of Christ, everything will be alright. But I still believe and I know that hardships will still come. It's one thing to go through life and have to face challenges by yourself. But it's another thing to know that you have the king of kings on your side. Suffering and trials are not unique, but they are universal. Never think that you're the only one that's going through what you're going through. Because the enemy would love for you to believe that you're the only one. You're the only one going through it. I'm the only one that's dealing with this. I'm the only one facing this. But in reality, I can guarantee you that someone at some point in time has walked down your path or is walking down your path in some form. Trying times and suffering are temporal, but they're not eternal. Paul said this light affliction, a light affliction, and you might be thinking, well, this ain't light. What I'm carrying isn't light. It's heavy. I've been dealing with it. And you say it's only temporal, and I've been dealing with it for five and six years. What do you mean it's light? Because I know saints still have questions. I know y'all have questions because I talk to some of you, and I ask some of you questions. But what do you mean it's light? What do you mean it's temporal? When you look through the eyes of eternity, it is light. When you look to the, through the eyes of eternity, on this side of eternity, this is the shortest life you will ever have. But when you enter into eternity, into heaven, that's really the best life. That's really the real life. That's really the blessed life. I'm going to set my eyes on eternity because the Bible says we're just pilgrims on a journey and this is just a hotel. But heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. Peter said, do not be surprised when you face trials. But he said, it's a process that you should embrace. It may be painful, but it's purposeful. The Bible gives us specific instructions on dealing with trials. And I'll try to give you three quickly. But the first one he said, he said, humble yourself. We read it. He said, humble yourself. When I go through struggles and challenges, this is a, a humility for me. I have to have humility. He said, God resists the what? The proud. But he gives grace to the what? The humble. In Greek culture, people who were humble and who walked in humility were considered weak. People made fun of them. It was a sign of weakness. Even today in our society, the ones that are rewarded are always the ones that are hard and the ones that are strong and the ones that are brave and the ones that can withstand anything. And, and all of that is all good. But when you come to the kingdom of God, it's a little bit different because God says the humble shall be exalted. In other words, that which is least will become great. And I hear people, they, throughout my younger life, I heard it. I, I, I call it the man up generation. People always say, well, you just need to man up. You just need to man up and face this. Man up and face that. And, and I've heard it a lot growing up. And, and people would even say to me, even on the sports, in the sports field, man up, just man up, just deal with it. And even I caught myself one time a while back telling Hank that he would fall and he would cry and I would grab him. I was like, come on, just man up. And then I got to thinking, I mean, he's two years old. 
I mean, wake up, Dustin, really? He's two years old. He's not even close to being a man. But man up. I mean, what does it even mean? I would rather be a part of the new generation, man down, on my knees, waiting for God to do whatever he wants. I would rather be on my knees looking vulnerable than be a man on my feet living shaky because I didn't want to turn anything over to God. God forbid somebody know that I didn't have it all together. So Jesus humbled himself. He had humility. Jesus went through the greatest trial and times of suffering than any man that has ever lived. The Bible said he humbled himself and he became obedient. It says he made himself of no reputation. Meaning he emptied himself of all of his privileges. All the things that Christ went through. Throughout any given time, he could have stopped it. But he submitted himself to the process because he knew that what I'm going to is greater than what I'm going through right now. He knew that there was a joy set before him. He knew that on February 24th at 6.43 p.m. there would be people in a church in Indian Village. So he said, I need to endure the cross. And the Bible said, now God has highly exalted him and given him a name above all names. The ascension of Christ was humility. It was the exaltation of humility. His ascension. You got to be humble. I got to be humble. Number two, you got to be watchful. You have to be watchful. We have an arch enemy. His name's Satan. And one of the key things he loves to do, he is the master of trying to take advantage of our vulnerability. When you're going through struggles, When you're going through hardships, he comes with his greatest strikes to take you out. He always waits until you get down. Peter said, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he said, be sober and self-controlled. Translated, that means don't freak out. Don't get mad and pitch a fit and quit church. But he said, be watchful. Be sensitive, meaning we need to be in a place, in a place where we are sensitive to our surroundings. The enemy comes in such subtle ways. Peter talks about him as a lion, but in reality, a lot of times he comes as a snake. You have to be watchful because the lion is obvious, but the snake is subtle. Peter said he's like a roaring lion. It's easy to hear a roar, but it's easy to miss a hiss. Peter said he is like a roaring lion, but my Jesus is the lion of Judah. So I have an advocate for my adversary. It says, seeking whom he may devour. That's funny because we're like, oh God, the lion's coming to eat me. Satan's coming. It said, seeking who he may. It didn't say he will. I was watching National Geographic the other night, and these people were on a safari, and they were telling them to stay inside the vehicle. This should be self-explanatory. It's Africa. It's in the middle of the night, and they were having to tell these people, stay inside the Jeep. Don't get out of the vehicle. One reason is lions are creatures of the dark. Another reason, they are para-visual beings, meaning they see objects as one. 
They see one big object. So there may be five people in the Jeep, and even though it's five individuals, it looks as one big object to the line. So he sees this huge object, and he says, I'm not going to bother that. I'm not going to walk over there to that. And they're, they're individuals, but when they're together, they're intimidating. And if you watch National Geographic and they're chasing the herd, it's always that one little homie that gets left behind. And he's the one that gets caught. And he's the one that gets eaten by the enemy. The point is to tell you, especially when you're going through things, that tough times, the importance of community and the importance of connection in your church, the importance of being a part of the body of Christ. Yes, that means Wednesday nights too. I'm sorry to be real, but that's what it means. Well, I got a good excuse. Look, if your excuse isn't I was hanging on a cross, I don't want to hear about it. Don't tell me you got excuses. Why? Because one can set 10,000, a and two can set 10,000, where two and three are gathered together. Like Dylan said, what in the name of God's green earth is more important than getting to his house and worshiping him every week? Why can't we give God more than one day? got to get back. Get back in church services, guys. Get back in a, a connect group or a small group of people. Get back in a ministry that you were a part of. Get back with a prayer partner instead of a whispering partner and let them cover you so when you leave this place, you are strong to face out there. Come on. Together, there's power in unity. You need each other. I need you. My family needs you from the oldest to the youngest. I need you. I need the oldest for for wisdom. I don't know why I'm pointing over here. I don't know. I'm just pointing over here. Don't get offended at me. I'm not calling you. I need the oldest for wisdom. I need the youngest for inspiration. We need each other. We go from grace to glory, but between grace and glory, he said, you may suffer a little while. You might suffer. We don't like that word. I hate that word, suffering. It just sounds bad. Even if it was a good word, it just sounds bad. Nobody likes to go through anything. We don't like challenges. We don't like adversity. But what if your adversity could be the the greatest thing that is happening to you right now? Your perspective of it. Could it be the greatest thing that is going on in your life is your adversity? He says, suffer a little while. With everything, there is a season. But if you're not careful, your season could become a cycle. What was meant to be a season for the children of Israel became a cycle because they wouldn't humble themselves. They, they knew everything. They had it all together. They didn't have humility. They weren't being sensitive. And God said the wilderness was supposed to be a proving ground to see if you would trust me. Because for so long you've been in bondage. And so long you've had worries. And I've had a promise for you, but your season has become a cycle. We can get in the season of great church and turn it into a cycle and just keep having great church. And great church turns into normal church. And normal church in, turns into, well, this is what's going to happen when we get there and we know what we're going to do. Don't let a season of revival just turn into a cycle over and over where it's no longer revival. God knows what you're going through and he doesn't always cause it, but he knows how to use it for you. 
I know I'm younger and I'm not telling you anything you probably don't know. God knows how to put pain on his payroll. God will use your agitation for education. He'll use adversity as your university. What you think is a setback could really be a setup for a come up. But you got to get it. You got to get it. God's character is always the same. But his ways are unpredictable. What do you mean? Well, he's always a healer. Always. But he doesn't always heal the same. He said, my ways are not your ways. I see things that you can't see right now. Job said, when I'm done, when he's done with me, I'll be come forth as as pure gold. When you can't trace his hand, you have to learn to trust his heart. He said, I'm going to perfect you, and I'm going to mature you. I'm learning every day, every day, spiritual maturity. We understand, I understand that we all agree on the plan of salvation, but there's a lot of other things out there that not everybody probably agrees with, have their opinions about it. But I'm learning spiritual maturity every day because I've been asking for it. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy because there are some things I don't like. There's some things I, I didn't want to stop. But I've been asking for God to mature me spiritually. And it's safe to say that a lot of saints would probably consider themselves as mature Christians. Just naturally. Peter thought of himself as a mature Christian, but he had some immature days. Peter, Peter was a loud mouth. I mean, he wouldn't curse you. He would cuss you. I mean, he loved Jesus. I mean, people curse. Oh, he cursed me. He, no, Peter would cuss you. He had some immature days. I'm not saying it's okay to cuss. So. But that's things he would face. He was a loud mouth. He told everybody, he said, you're all going to fall away except me. And then he denied Jesus. But he said this, as a believer, we have to desire growth in God. I'm glad I'm saved. But if I haven't grown, I'm glad I'm righteous. But am I living right? He said we should grow thereby. I know I'm not old, but I'm old enough to know. And I've learned that spiritual maturity isn't about how long you've attended church. Someone came up to me the other day and, uh, I don't know, they were like slapping me on the back of the shoulder harder than they should have and caught me off guard. And they're like, I heard you've been preaching. Like so angry. But they were excited about it, which was weird. So, but I was like, well, I mean, I've been speaking and communicating, you know, in youth and church. And I say that. Because I've seen men get up and preach fire down from heaven, but not be able to communicate. I get so tired of people using God to make themselves look important. I don't care if you speak Greek, Hebrew, or Swahili all at the same time. That does not prove maturity. 
You can have more degrees than a thermometer and still be spiritually immature. We get impressed with all kinds of things and all kinds of people. But if the quotes that don't come out of my mouth, the quotes that come out, if they're not demonstrated in my life, then I need to shut up. If I say I love someone, but I don't talk to them. We learn to obey and be sensitive to spirit. Then the growth comes. And last, you have to humble yourselves. And he said, have humility. But I like the last one, even though it might be the hardest one. He said, cast your care upon me. Saint of God, spiritually mature, been here all your life, but holding on to cares. The word care is anxiety, worry, struggles, adversities, family problems, marriage problems, kid problems, financial problems. It said anything that would lead to anxiety and fear and frustration and that would cause you to be restless and keep you awake at night, that's the word care. Whatever keeps me awake is is a care. You know those things that make you talk to yourself when you're driving down the road? Those things that make you whisper to yourself? When you're going down the road, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to do. God, my kid's not even coming back to you. And like half of my life is over and I want to see it before I'm gone. And, and I believe your promise, but I'm, I'm, I really don't believe your promise. But I, and I think you don't see that, but you, know, you really do. Those things that worry you. I don't know where the money's going to come from, but, but you know, God, it's in your hands. I know it's in your hands. If I say it enough, I'll believe it. Cares. Worry, and the word cast means to roll off onto. He said, cast your care, not carry your cares. Because you were never meant to carry what you were supposed to cast. Too many Christians are carrying instead of casting. Burdens we shouldn't be carrying. Responsibilities we shouldn't be carrying. Weights, discouragement, fears, frustration. And we're all weighed down by all sorts of things. And God said, I never meant for you to be a carrier of cares. I was meant, you were meant to be a carrier of my presence. But you're carrying cares. You need to remove them. You need to tear them away. There was things that had to be moved away. There was things that had to be uh, torn away to get to the presence of God. What do you need to cast and throw away so that your true identity is a carrier of his presence and not a carrier of problems? Because here's the problem. The longer you carry it, it begins to cover you. Carrying it in your hand for a few years. And then it starts to cover your life. And now instead of being carried uh, by it, you're, you're, you're covered with it. Notice when it's covering you, you don't look the same. You, you don't even talk the same. You start speaking negativity. You start speaking from, from offense. You start speaking doubt. You start speaking defeat. You start speaking unbelief when you're covered with what you're carrying. 
You can't even hear like you need to hear when we come in church, when we're covered with our problems. We, we can't even see. We lose vision and we start losing perspective because now what I've been carrying is now covering me and I don't even look who I used to look like. In other words, I'm losing my identity and I'm becoming what I'm going through. I'm looking like it. I'm acting like it. I'm carrying issues with my spouse. I'm carrying issues with my kids. I'm carrying issues with my business. And now you're tired and you're wanting to let go of the things of God because you're carrying what you were not meant to carry. You were meant to cast. He said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Have we forgotten that he cares? Or is he just a figment of our imagination that people told us about growing up and we've just kept on believing it? Do we really believe he cares? Do we really believe he cares? We were on vacation last year, November, and we were at a theme park and I seen something that got my attention. And there was this family and they had a little kid, probably three or four years old, and uh, on his back, he had a backpack, and it had like a little monkey on the back, and it had a leash attached to it. And so like, every time he was going anywhere, you see him, you know what I'm talking about. It looks weird. He's just kid on a leash. They're not letting him get lost, but they're letting him walk. I'll probably get one. Whatever. But, um... I seen it and I was looking at it mainly because it was cute but then the mom was pushing a stroller and I was thinking you know I noticed things like that now I was like well I guess they have a little baby you know a new baby but as they passed me and I looked in the stroller it wasn't a baby it was a little dog Mom's pushing this little dog. And I was looking at it, and I'm not judging, but let's be realistic. In my mind, shouldn't the stroller be carrying the child? And shouldn't the leash be attached to the dog? The roles have been reversed. It, it, it would look like me carrying a bunch of boxes on my back and leading a donkey behind me. I'm struggling and I'm hurting and the answer is behind me and I don't choose to take advantage of it because I'm trying to manage everything by myself when the answer is attached to me. Study the word cast and the word cast, the same word was used in the triumphant entry. When they went in and they got a donkey And in Luke, it said they cast their garments. In other words, the things that they were carrying, the things that that were covering them, they began casting. They would take off their garments and they would cast them onto the donkey. And I never paid attention when I read it because I thought I knew the story. But when I read it, I always thought they were throwing them on the ground. But when I looked at it again, it said they were throwing them on the donkey. And in Luke 19 and 35, it said they placed Jesus on top of the donkey. So they cast their garments. They cast the things that have been covering them up, smothering their prayer life, 
smothering their worship, smothering their devotion, smothering their Bible reading, smothering their church attendance, suffocating the love in their marriages, suffocating their peace and their joy. They cast it. But what got me was once they cast it on top of the donkey, they got Jesus and they sat him on it. The things that they have been carrying, the things that they cast, they then put Jesus on top of the cares and on top of the worries. He said, I sat on the throne. And when I sat on the throne, I sat on everything that you have been stressing about, everything that you have been worrying about, worried about where the money is. I sat on it, worried about what my marriage is going to do. I sat on it, worried if my children are ever going to come back. I sat on it. But I cannot sit on what you won't cast. If we could stand. What are you holding on to, saints? You're setting examples. You're setting examples. And too often, I've heard it before. I'm just waiting on the rapture. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on the grave. What kind of life is that? I don't, I don't want to get old if that's the case. What have you been carrying that's making you say that thing over your life? What have you been carrying that makes you walk in church and you don't want to hear what God wants you to hear? What are you carrying? What I want you to see is you don't have to carry it. You don't have to. But you do have to cast it. And if you cast it, And you'll know that Christ has conquered it. Why? Because he cares about you. He came for you. I love this church. I love this church. I love everyone in here. From the one I don't agree with to the one I do agree with the most. I love you being real I love you and I want to see not only do I want to see the young people flourish but I want to see the saint of God live their best life so what are you casting saint of God what will you cast tonight if I had time I would have pulled all the biblical robes out and get someone to hand them to you at the door so you could walk down here and you could cast them for a cute little illustration, but we know what we're carrying. So I ask, would you come tonight as a community? There's power in unity. If you don't have any cares, find someone that does and help them cast and help them cast. Please, Saint of God. Please, Saint of God. Would you cast? what you've been carrying you've heard it all your life but would you put it into action would you put it into action he cares for you do you know that if you have a lost child you know that God loves that child even more than you could ever imagine loving that child? Would you cast that care on the altar? Would you cast it on the altar? That sickness that you carry, 
Would you cast it on the altar? That torment from things that happened in your past. Would you cast it on the altar? Would you cast? Would you give him your worries? Would you give him your kids?